0: A body found in the desert, another mystery. But this one involves one of the most famous people in the world. And then we take a look at a true crime case that was so bad it caused people to change their last name today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I am your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. we got a lot of stuff to cover today, so we're going to jump right into it. Now, a, a, a warning. A warning. This episode's a little grim. Try to keep it lighthearted, but it, it's pretty grim. Okay, so I don't recommend listening to this episode if you're depressed. I don't know. The year is 2012. 2012. Massive icebergs crashing against the West Coast. People barely escaping earthquakes in their planes. In the movies that we all went and saw. But in real life in 2012. It's June 26th. There's a dark SUV driving through the desert of East LA. Here's the spot. You didn't have to skid. You could have driven and stopped normally. But, okay. Everyone gets out of the SUV. Four doors shutting. Anyways. Have to open up the back. You get the point. There's an SUV in the middle of East LA. It's dark outside. And there is a small, black, canvas bag. Maybe Lycra. I don't know. But it had... there was a body, (laughs) it gets to the point, there was a body in the bag. One guy starts digging the hole, should have pre-dug it, that's a tip, take the canvas bag, or lycra, and throw it into the hole, and bury it. Now, that unfortunately happens all the time. Not all the time like it's happening right now, but, bodies get buried in the desert. People disappear. But this body, was supposedly different. The girl in the bag, is supposedly, Miley Cyrus. This was a request from Matthew T. via email. This is a very famous conspiracy theory. The first time I saw it was on 4chan years ago. Years and years and years and years ago. It's been going around 4chan for quite a while, and it's kind of bubbled up to the surface internet. I mean, 4chan, surface internet, but you know what I mean? It's gotten a little bit of mainstream play, but that was the first place I saw it. It was bizarre because... The theory that, okay, so let me get into the conspiracy theory real quick. The conspiracy theory is is that Miley Cyrus, this is so ridiculous. Okay, so Miley Cyrus was supposed to have an orgy. (laughs) This was after Hannah Montana, by the way. This was when she was older, so it's not super icky. But Miley Cyrus was supposed to have an orgy with a bunch of Disney executives. And she refused. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. So they beat her to death. And threw her in a bag and drove her out to East L.A. and buried her in the dirt. And the thing was, is that her body was found. Her body was eventually found. And people were like, oh my god, look, it's Miley Cyrus. She's been beaten to death. And a local radio station reported that they had found her body. And actually, taking a double look at my notes, they didn't find her in a duffel bag. But that's not the point, because the whole story's made up, by the way. The news station reported that her body was found... Like, on the side of the road in East L.A., and she looked like she was dehydrated and beaten to death. I had always heard that she was buried, and they just never found the body, so the the story has varied. I guess I always heard that she was left on the side of the road as well, but I, a later version I heard was that she just disappeared. She was buried in the desert of East L.A. So, first thing we have to address is Miley Cyrus is not dead. Miley Cyrus is alive, Okay. That's the first thing we have to address. But let's get into why this conspiracy theory takes off. It's one of those things that, and we see this a lot, we actually see it a lot with school shooting things now, but we see it mostly with celebrities. They'll take a picture of a a younger photo of a celebrity, and then they'll take a photo of that celebrity when they're older, and they'll circle different parts of their body and go see the nose. Remember, she used to have a childlike nose, and now her nose is more adult-like. She must have been replaced, and obviously with celebrities, you're going to have things like plastic surgery taking place as well. Fake celebrity deaths stories are have been around forever. What we're getting a lot of now is celebrities murdered and replaced by body devils. So that's the conspiracy theory here. And what's funny is that out of the in the original 4chan post where they were explained the story behind Miley Cyrus being murdered. There was a bunch of other stupid, like, rumors on there. One of them, remember that movie Home Alone? I reference it all the time. I've never seen it. Apparently, in the same paragraph or in the same post that says Miley Cyrus was brought out to the desert, beaten to death for not being in an orgy with Disney executives, Macaulay Colkin was molested by Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci on the set of Home Alone for the whole shoot of the film. That never took off. That conspiracy theory never gained any legs. I think it's interesting that the Miley Cyrus one did. And I do have to say, you go, well, how do you know Miley Cyrus? I will, this is my, it's funny. I will talk about ghosts and I will talk about, oh, here's my experience with a haunted apartment. There's one thing I almost never tell anyone about because the story is so ridiculous. Nobody believes me, and I have to spend like a half hour convincing them. I know Miley Cyrus. Well, I guess I should say I did, as in a few years ago. But it's not like whenever I tell people that, they're like, how do you know? And I was like, uh Like, it's a long, drawn-out story. But we talked for a while. We talked for a couple months. Yes. Yes, she exists. She's still alive. So I I know that as a fact. But, again, I'll more I'll tell you all of my ghost stories before I <laughs> try convincing another person that I know Miley Cyrus. Because of that, for, for some reason, they'll believe me when I tell them there's a purple man in my apartment. But when I tell them I know Miley Cyrus, it's <laughs> a, a fight starts. So anyways, she's not dead. But what's interesting is we have all of these rumors about celebrities dying and being killed by the Illuminati being replaced. There's tons of them. That Spunky Dunk sent me through email an actual fun death conspiracy. I thought this was interesting. I thought this was an interesting take on the dead celebrity. So George Burns was this famous comedian. This is very brief, but George Burns was this famous comedian. The old man, he was in all those movies like, Oh God, You Devil. He was, I mean, he was had a long stand-up career, long career in film. And he's, his thing would be like, I'm going to live till I'm 100. I'm going to live to be 100 years old and I'm going to walk on stage at the Las Vegas Resort and I'm going to do my routine. He actually signed a contract saying he would perform when he turned 100 at this casino. And he would go on the Carson show, and he would just... That was... That's not all he talked about. He also actually had a comedy routine he did. That was one of his things. Like, I'm so old, and I'm going to live to be 100, and I'll still be doing this show. So in January 1996, he had already not been seen for a while. He's 99 years old in 1996. And his 100th birthday rolls around. But he makes no live appearances. And people go, yeah, that... I mean, yeah, it was probably a joke he signed that contract, like... But he did it. He made it to 100. And then in February, his publicist is saying, oh, yeah, no, he's doing great. He actually went out to go play poker with some guys the other day. His old buddies came over, and they all played poker. The end. There's no photos. There was no names of the people who supposedly went to play poker with him. It was just something the the publicist released. And then in March, they announced that he had passed away. But really, nobody had seen him publicly for a while before that. So the conspiracy theory is, is that he died earlier and they were able to cover it up so he lived to be 100, like he always said he would. Is that possible? I mean, obviously you're going to have things like death certificates and things like that, but it's, it's, not, it's more likely than Miley Cyrus being replaced by a body double. But I think it's always interesting when you can get a conspiracy theory that actually is uplifting. Like the family and the publicists watch their friend for decades and family member for their lifetime die and say, you know what, let's let's try to make his dream come true. Let's let him live to be 100. Let's put that in the record books. The oldest living comedian. So conspiracies can go both ways. I thought that was a very interesting celebrity death conspiracy as well. But again, it's conspiracy. There's absolutely no proof. It's just all assumptions and stuff like that but it's still kind of a sweet story okay so that was the lighthearted part of the episode miley cyrus sitting in the duffel bag on the side of the road now oh and i guess i should say there what that didn't exist either it's not like they found a body and it looked like miley cyrus it was just all made up and i don't think the home alone thing happened either honestly but now we're going to belgium We're going to Belgium, and we're going to look at this guy. Let's take the Carpenter Copter, because I think this is going to be the last bit of levity we have for this episode, unless an inappropriate joke pops up. But as we're flying over to Belgium, we're listening to Can't Be Tamed, Miley Cyrus's hit album. We're flying over to Belgium. I know I've already said that. And as we're flying over there, I tell you this. Listen, this story's going to get a little dark. But at the same time, this guy is, like, is such a, a weird idiot. This guy is such an idiot that you're gonna keep thinking, how in the world has this guy not gotten caught? How has this guy just not really faced any charm, like, charges for it? And it's gonna, you're, I mean, it's weird, cause he almost seems to have this weird sort of luck to him. And who we're talking about is Mark Dutro. Dutrox? I think it's Dutro. And, it doesn't matter because that name doesn't really exist in that country anymore. Because this case was so bad that people changed their last name over it. They just wanted nothing to do with this name. And you're going to, every time I say something, you're going to like, that's not bad. Yeah, well. Okay, so, Bell, Mark was a career criminal. He looks like an accountant. He looks like a skinnier version of the Red Staple guy from the off uh, from Office Space. He looks like a big old nerd, but he was actually a career criminal. And he was like, his main thing was kind of robbing cars and raping and kidnapping girls. So a very odd choice of like, that's a weird spread to have. One is all about money making. The other one is kind of about self gratification. But again, wait till the end how this plays out. He actually was a very, very successful criminal to the point where he owned seven houses. Now, I'm assuming that, you know, Belgium doesn't have the highest, I don't know how much houses cost in Belgium, especially this was back in like, this spanned the 1980s to like the 1990s. So I'm sure he was, you know, $10,000 a house. I'm getting hung up on the wrong point. He owned seven houses. Three of them were specifically to torture and rape people. He owned three houses specifically to torture people. So, he ends up in 1986, though. So, early, early on, he pops up on the radar. I mean, he'd done petty crimes and stuff like that. In 1986, him and his wife, Michelle Martin. I don't know why she has a different last name, but... Him and his wife, in 1986, are caught and convicted of raping five young girls sentenced to 13 and a half years for five. Five young girls, he got sentenced to 13 and a half years, and you're thinking, oh my god, that's no time at all for five rapes. He only served three because the judge said, he's a really good guy. He's really good in prison. Three years for raping five different girls. His grandma sees that Mark is getting... His grandma sees that Mark is getting paroled out three years later. She writes a letter to the judge saying, I don't think that's a good idea. I think he's up to something. Judge doesn't care, lets him go. So the next time we start to really see Mark engaging in this, at least that we have records of, 1995, two eight-year-old girls are kidnapped and taken to his dungeon. Now, his dungeon... You know, you have his live-in houses, he has his torture houses, but in his main house that he lived in, he built a dungeon underneath the house, or like in the basement. It was seven feet long, three feet wide, five feet high. So imagine how comfortable you would be in that. Five feet high automatically would would be a no-go for me. But seven feet long and three feet wide, that's basically just one person he starts kidnapping women, multiple women, and forcing them in here. First off, two eight-year-old girls are kidnapped right off the street by him and his wife, thrown in the basement. Two months later, so he's keep the girl, they, they don't find the girl. The little girls are in the basement, and he keeps them for two months. Two months after that, he finds two teenage girls... And kidnaps them and throws them in the basement. So now he has four women underneath his house. And his wife it totally knows about it. She's totally a sicko too. And there's a friend that's kind of floating around in the periphery who ends up becoming a accomplice. So he has four girls in his basement. Eventually, two of the teenage girls, he either they rebel too much or he gets tired of them. He takes the teenage girls out of the basement, buries them alive. He ends up, so his auto theft ring is about to be exposed. And he knows that one of the guys that's working for him has been, he basically has been holding a bunch of money, holding a bunch of the profits of the cars, and is also being tailed by the police. So what Mark does, is he invites him over to his house, which don't, do not go over to a dude's house, because it was pretty well known among his gang, I believe, That he was also doing this side thing with women. But anyways, this idiot goes over to his house and gets roofied by Mark. And when the drugs wear off, you know those hose clamps? That they're basically the circle, the metal circle that have the little screw on it. And you can just kind of like put it around a hose and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And then you turn the screw and it's locked. It's just basically a metal ring that you can tighten. The guy, the accomplice with the car ring, wakes up to find one of those clamped around his nutsack and Mark screaming at him, saying, Where's the money? Where's the money? The cops are after you. Give me the money. Give me the money. That sounds... That's the worst way to wake up. I can't imagine... I I think it would be better to wake up with an axe coming at you about to bust your head open than to wake up with a hose clamp on your balls. Because then you don't know what's going to happen. At least you know the axe is going to be over soon. The guy, the friend, the previous accomplice in this business together, with his balls just being crushed, tells Mark, yes, yes, I will tell you where the money is. Mark then buries him alive. With the ball clamp still locked on. And I think he probably had bigger things to worry about as the sand entered his airway. But still, he could have made it a little more comfortable. So Mark's like, awesome. I got the money. The guy, the police were investigating for the auto theft ring is gone. The police will never find out that it was me behind the auto theft ring. He gets arrested. He gets arrested for stealing cars. They already had enough evidence on Mark to get him for stealing cars. They send him to jail. This time, they don't know about any of the murders. They send him to jail for a year. Now, a lot of times when you go to jail, you have to make arrangements. You may have an employer and say, you know, I work construction and I I was wondering, I'm going to jail for this auto theft thing. Do you think I'll still have a job when I come back? And now, you know, we'll talk about it, make arrangements about, you know, who's going to move your stuff, where is it going to stay, stuff like that. His arrangement was he told his wife, don't forget to feed the girls in the basement. Because remember, they're still going to be in there. Now that I'm not, wife's like, yeah, I'll feed them. So he goes to jail for a year. When he comes out of jail, he comes home, he goes in the basement, both girls have starved to death. And the wife, Michelle, was like, I was too scared to go down there. They were making a lot of noise, and they were banging on the walls, so I just let them starve to death. So what do you do now that you have a bunch of dead kids in your basement? And your Mark, I guess I should add that one. You go out and grab somebody else. So they got rid of those bodies. In 1996, so he just gets out of jail. He's driving on the road, finds a 12-year-old girl, throws her in the car, takes her home. Later, he's driving around the town, sees a 14-year-old girl, grabs her off the road, puts her in the car, and this is where they see the wife helping him and an accomplice because at this point, people are reporting, hey, this van just came by and picked up this 14-year-old girl. The police follow it. They ID it. They arrest them, and they free the girls. The end, right? So that's the story of Mark Dutrol. And you're thinking, okay, he he just seemed to be fairly lucky. He's able to kidnap all these girls, not get caught. He's able to pay for all these houses, some even specifically built for torturing people. He gets arrested for auto theft, sure, but he only does a year, and then he comes out and he finds this stuff. Like, he seems to be fairly lucky, but his luck actually... We haven't even scraped the surface of that. Because what happens is, after he gets arrested, a bunch of stuff comes out. And the biggest thing is, Mark says to the police, I am the number one provider of child and teenage sex slaves to people in high positions in this country. I have provided women to and girls to judges and politicians and police officers. They come to me when they want something that is illegal. Now, of course, this causes a big, big issue. Some of the police officers absolutely don't believe it right off the bat. They're like, that's not true. He's just trying to make it into this big thing. This is a psychological thing that killers do, where they try to turn themselves into some sort of killing god. They're not just some lone weirdo. They're a part of some organization. And other people are like, that actually makes a lot of sense because this is what started coming out as they started investigating this because when he was being investigated for other crimes car theft other petty stuff he offered money to a police informant to buy girls police informant someone working with the police knew that he was in the market for young girls He told the same police informant that he had built a cell. So you are figuring that could just be... That's just hearsay. His mom wrote a letter to the police saying, I think he has girls locked up in his basement. When the police were investigating him for car theft, they went to his house, and they had a locksmith go around opening locks. And when they were in the basement, the locksmith said, I thought I heard people like, crying out for help? And the police were like, no, 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 that's no big deal. That's no big deal. And then, there apparently was a video cassette in Mark's house that showed him building the dungeon. It would have showed exactly in the house where the dungeon was, and the police were like, during the trial, during the investigation into the police, they go, how come you didn't watch this tape? And they said, we didn't have a VCR. So again, all of that stuff is just can be chalked up to incompetence on the part of police. So he says that he is protected by powerful people and the police let him do what he did because he was providing young women to powerful people. And they start investigating it and they come up. I mean, all of this stuff could just be incompetence, but... Then we get into the weird stuff. The stuff that isn't chalked up to incompetence. The stuff that's chalked up to he might be telling the truth. This was actually before Mark's trial. They now opened an investigation into these allegations. Is it possible that Mark was pro- was providing girls to high-powered people? They had to open an investigation into that. They got a seasoned judge, a guy, not like bacon seasoning, but... A judge who had been around for years, they get him to oversee this investigation from the legal side of it. Like, to basically, it's not like out there with the magnifying glass, but you know what I mean? Like, he's the guy who's basically going to look at all the evidence and decide whether or not they can go forward with this investigation charge. So it's not Mark's trial. It's a look into whether or not these things are true about what he's saying. The judge go attends a charity dinner for one of his victims. And people go, how can you be unbiased? How can you be unbiased if you're going to a charity dinner to raise money for a family of a girl who was raped and murdered? You can't be part of this investigation. The judge is like, whatever. Like, that's stupid, but whatever. I'm sure they will replace me with somebody just as diligent as an, and intelligent as myself. The new judge who was taken over to investigate powerful people and find out what, if these allegations are true. First time. First time judge. Never handled anything like this before. Handpicked, almost, to be incompetent. And immediately says, I don't want any more evidence. I want us to go through the evidence that we have right now to see if these allegations are true. I don't want people to keep running around and investigating this stuff. Let's just go over all the stuff we have so far and decide whether or not to go forward. So really just quashed the investigation and just looked at any evidence, preliminary evidence that they had gathered. Huge protests in Brussels over this. Because this was a big story. You had all these young girls killed. You had this guy, it took him, what, 10, 15 years to catch. The victims that I've listed, like the girls that we know, those are the ones we know about. He's saying there was a huge network of girls being kidnapped, raped, and murdered. It definitely seems like he did more. Whether or not he was selling them to other people is the question, is where the conspiracy comes into. But the people of Brussels, the people of Belgium were pissed. 300,000 people marched on the Capitol after that judge was removed and the new judge put in. People were furious because they saw this as government cover-up. The former judge, the judge who got canned for going to the charity dinner, was now brought back to testify during the investigation phase over whether or not this was a conspiracy theory. And he said, quote, We were told by police that murder contracts had been taken out against magistrates. So the police said, Listen, somebody is trying to kill judges over this. We cannot guarantee your safety if you remain a part of this investigation. So, long story short, the conspiracy investigation, after 17 months long, said there was no conspiracy at all. We've fully investigated ourselves, we did nothing wrong. There was some corruption, there was some incompetence, but we were not in any way dealing with that man and getting getting girls from him. We have fully investigated herself, and that is not true. Case closed. People were furious, obviously, because they didn't believe it. They then moved to the trial of Mark. Mark Dutro got it done fairly quickly. He got sentenced to life because they eliminated the death penalty. His wife got, I believe, 17 years. She's out now, and she has her own place that is owned by a judge. She's living in a judge's house, a house that a judge owns. This woman who was part of a ring that was suspected of dealing pedophilia and kidnapped girls to powerful people lives in a house owned by a judge. He goes, well, everyone deserves a second chance. And to wrap it all up, You have the death threats against the people. That's the weird thing about this, is that you had the actual crimes, which is bizarre enough, but this whole conspiracy angle is what really threw it off. Now, Mark says that he was dealing young girls and women to powerful people. Powerful people are saying that's not true. Every piece of evidence that you found is just a sign of our ineptness, our corruption, and our sloppy work. And yes, we should have caught him earlier. But we are never part of this It was him and two or three people, and that was it. That was the only people involved in this. They've all been arrested. They've all been punished. During the course of the investigation into the allegations of the powerful people, 20 witnesses died. What's terrifying about that is I'm sure you had a lot of innocent people swept up in that. People, delivery drivers, who just happened to turn their head at the wrong time, saw Mark talking to a police officer in a friendly manner, in uniform. Maybe there was a young girl in the back of the squad car. The delivery driver just looks a little too long. And goes from being someone dropping off a Domino's Pizza, to being a witness of a conspiracy, and then eventually a body in the woods. 20 deaths over a single court trial and they were involved in the court trial is a pattern of obviously that's, that's a lot. I'm sure some of them were corrupt. Police officers or, you know, like local officials who were starting to, starting to really sweat over having to be investigated for his, their connections to Mark Dutroux and were being killed. But again, I'm sure a lot of them were people just like you and me. People who just looked a little too long at an otherwise normal situation and saw a monster of a man staring back at you. You didn't end up in his dungeon, but he still got you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter.